As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. If you know, then you know it's those long nights, early mornings, rolling down these old back roads, working all week, trying to turn this blood, sweat, and tears poor. By now, you've probably heard us talk about the ThisIsBracketRacing.com driver series. This is a series that we have introduced that will allow a local bracket racer, basically local bracket racers from all across the country, from all across the continent, to compete for a national championship without ever leaving their home track. Best of all, we reward them big time. National champion in both box, top ball, and no box, bottom bulb, $10,000 from thisisbracketracing.com, plus a $2,500 bonus if that champion is a current member of our premier membership community. This is Bracket Racing Elite. Learn more. Find out the tracks involved. There's probably a track near you. I think we've got 24 racetracks participating in the 2021 series. Learn uh, about the tracks involved. If there's one close to you, all the rules, how it works, and get signed up for your share of the winnings at thisisbracketracing.com slash driver series. Welcome back, or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss Cole Castile and Stephanie Bustin Nass. Wait, wait, wait. Two episodes in, in one week? That's right. That's right. Here we are. Coming through, delivering for you. Okay, um, truth be told, we didn't get an episode out last week, and we are making it up to you. Hope that you enjoyed uh, the episode from earlier this week in which Jed and I got to talk some actual racing, right? Recapped some of the early season results. If you haven't got an opportunity to listen to that, be sure to punch through episode 217. Today, I am joined by Clay Milliken. Yeah, that 
Clay Milliken. You know him as the driver of the Parts Plus NHRA Top Fuel Dragster, as you should. When I see Clay, I still think of the guy that I met, shoot, I'm showing my age, 20 plus years ago, that was a sportsman drag racer with a Mopar Power Dragster, most notably in the IHRA Modified Eliminator classes. That's still how I think of Clay. That's still how I talk to Clay. And what's cool about Clay's progression is that he's never lost touch of where he came from. Like, he, as you'll, as you'll hear in this show, he is still very much in touch with sportsman drag racing. He's got his finger on the pulse of the sportsman drag racing community. Pays very, very close attention. Plus, he's always a great guest to have because... He's Clay freaking Milliken, right? Just so well-spoken, so fun to talk to, so dialed in to the sport, and Clay just brings an energy that's incredible. Um, Clay joined me to preview the 2021 NHRA Lucas Oil Series season, and we're actually breaking this into two parts. This is part one. Clay and I break down class by class, top dragster, top sportsman, stock, super stock, and competition eliminator. If you like what you hear here, Jed and I will be back next week with part two of the season preview in which we'll focus on the super classes, super comp, super gas, super street, as well as the Summit ET series. So without further ado, I'm going to throw it to my conversation with Clay Milliken. But first, Steve Evans? all across North America. Sportsman drivers vie for not only divisional wins and championship points. Now here you're going to see that tortoise and hare style of drag racing as it's the handicaps that make it all work where you can combine literally dozens and dozens of classes of cars into one eliminator. Now we're going to get our first look at the sportsman ranks. I am honored to be joined by the one, the only Mr. Clay Milliken Clay. How are you, man? I tell you what, I am good. I am shocked and surprised and excited you asked me to do this. I mean, you know, I uh, I certainly still claim to be a bracket racer at heart. It's just been so long since I've done it. It's been so long since I've done any sportsman racing, but I absolutely love it. And, you know, me and you chat a lot, and I very much appreciate all the hard work you do. And I have just kind of learned that uh, doing these sort of things is way more work than people ever really dreamed about. That's a fact. No, I appreciate the kind words, and obviously the the admiration is is mutual. Um, and this is this is interesting because I feel like you, the listener, is probably uh, tuned in and thinking, "Okay, I know Clay Milliken, driver of the the Parts Plus Top Fuel Dragster. I know Clay too, and I still think of you as a as a sportsman racer from way back. And I'm constantly amazed at the conversations that we have, how in touch you are to this day." with that aspect of the sport. I think it's really cool, and that's why I wanted to have you on here. Well, I really appreciate it, and I, and I do keep up as much as I can, and I mean, obviously, you know, you and I have got a great friendship, and there's plenty of other, you know, sportsman guys that I remain in contact with all the time, and as big as the money has gotten in the bracket racing scene, how can you not tune into what's going on there? And I know we'll get to it, and, and I'm probably messing up your intro here, but I am really thinking that, me and you and a few others need to get a cop car and race division four this year. 
It certainly looks that way. Yeah, we'll get to that as we go. No, comp, particularly in D4, really every class in D4, but especially comp, has gotten pretty interesting for 2021 without question. Let's start off, Clay, in uh, in the top dragster category, and we'll kind of go through these bit by bit. We lead it off with, with the champ. Well, here comes the champion, Bob. To be the man, you gotta beat the man. And trust me when I tell you, I am the man. Woo! Well, simply put, I'm the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. The champ is here! Champ is perhaps the most prolific champion in the history of sportsman drag racing. Our reigning NHRA top dragster world champion, a man that I know you are very familiar with, Clay, Mr. Wow. Anthony Bertozian. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I still consider Anthony to be one of the greatest sportsman racers ever. And I mean, I've listened to plenty of, you know, sportsman drag racing podcasts and, you know, it always comes up, you know, whether it's Scotty, it's Peter or whatever, but I would never be afraid if it was a, a big betting situation to put my money on Anthony. Anthony is one of the baddest dudes ever. One of my first ever IHRA national events in modified eliminator i somehow made my way to the final round and i really thought that it was going to be my day because i had had a round or two go my way and anthony showed why he's like the 47 time freaking world champion that deal because he sent me home happy to be runner-up let's just put it that way that was not that is not unique to you back then or today 18 time world champion Anthony Bertozzi, 16 of those in IHRA, uh, in modified stock, super stock, and I believe in top dragster in IHRA as well, I may be mistaken there, and now two-time NHRA world champ as well, uh, paired his super stock championship from uh, several years back with the top dragster championship in 2020, um, and he even, uh, I, Anthony, when he talks about the 2020 campaign of all of those 18 championships, he really earmarked last seasons as the the tightest right maybe the most dramatic and it was absolutely that i mean we had two drivers in the category in danny nelson and bradley johnson who literally staged for the round to ultimately win the national championship if their win light comes on they are the world champion not anthony bertozzi both of those drivers lost that round that they needed to win and anthony got the crown absolutely i was on the starting line uh, in dallas national events and Anthony, I mean, Anthony, Danny and Bradley, you know, ran in the final there and had Danny won that round that put him in the lead. He lost a close race, you know, and, and it just, I thought, well, it's over with, you know, Anthony's the chance, but it didn't, it kept going, you know, it's, it's pretty amazing. And Danny Nelson, I want to bring that up. He is by far to me, one of the most impressive. And I'm not even talking about how old he is. I love the guy, <laughs> but uh <laughs> The guy shows up to the races with a car capable of going in the fives easily by himself. He drives it up there. He drives it back. He's a one-man show, and and the older he's got, I think the better he's gotten, especially in the national event competition. No, it is. It's incredible. I mean, Danny Nelson has been a, a big name in big-dollar bracket racing circles for as long as there's been big-dollar bracket racing, right? And it's almost like yeah, and obviously he's, he's well known in the in the industry as well as the as the patriarch of uh, of Danny Nelson Racecraft. 
but it's almost like he's had this resurgence in recent years and to your point maybe performing at a level higher than he ever has and that's saying a lot for somebody of, of Danny's uh, reputation I, absolutely and I, I could talk for Danny forever but if you go way back he is one of the early guys that essentially race for a living you know back in his rock and roll express days he is not scared to gamble you know he'll, he'll lay it on the line and get after it that's one thing about Danny you you probably don't want to play poker with him. I mean, he's good at it, and when you probably don't want to race him after he's got a few rounds under his belt. He's a bad dude. But Anthony did what Anthony does. You know, he hung in there, and he, and he did what he had to do. And, I mean, and Bradley Johnson, same thing. I mean, that was a heck of a, heck of a point trace all the way down to the wire. No, to your point, when uh, when Danny came up short at Dallas, it, it looked like the ball was in Anthony's court, and it, Danny, I think, had one more race, and there was a couple other people in the mix, and Bradley Johnson was mathematically eligible, but that was it, and coming into that three-race swing at Vegas, basically the way that the 2020 season ended was a national event, the JEG Sports Nationals, and the divisional event in Vegas within the span of, I think, two weekends, three weekends. And coming into that, Bradley's shot was literally run the table, right? He's got to win three races outright to exceed Anthony Bertozzi's total by, you know, a couple of points and win the championship. So that's an afterthought. Well, then he wins the first one. And then he goes a couple of rounds in the sports nationals that gets postponed. And then he wins the second one. And all of a sudden, he's down to eight cars, I think, in the sports nationals. He's got a solo at eight at eight because his opponent couldn't make the return trip he's literally two rounds away so what looked like this pipe dream of i think it was 17 consecutive rounds that he would have to reel off under unreal pressure became an absolute reality he gets all the way to the final round of the final race the one round needed lays down a good lap and comes up just short giving the title to anthony so i don't think it's hyperbole when anthony says like hey this was the wildest championship i've ever won out of 18 that sounds crazy but it's hard to envision one that was much crazier than this absolutely and i mean you you think about that you've been in the situation i've been in the situation you know you you did it for for the million dollars you know at, at vegas uh i did it at a, at a final round that paid a hundred grand in a top fuel car and the pressure's there but he had to wait knowing this, you know, with these race postponed, postponed and all those things and to still perform the way he did. I mean, there's nothing to hang his head about. I mean, he had a heck of a heck of a run there at the end. Yeah, you come into a, an event of that magnitude and, and especially at the beginning of the weekend, but even perhaps, you know, the beating of the, the second race. And it's just like, oh, I got nothing to lose. You know what I mean? You just go out there and let it all hang out. This is fun. And then with every win light, the what's at stake becomes more evident and the possibility of it actually happening becomes more and more real and i think it's contrary to popular belief you'd think you get rolling and it kind of gets easier in that situation i think every round gets harder i agree 100 percent. and it was really fun to watch i wasn't there but i was you know keeping up best i could online because it was just so many things that could happen and it's been such an unusual you know this whole 2020 year was so unusual with nobody knowing when the races were and then to have that many races stacked together in Vegas made it a lot of fun. No question. So Anthony obviously coming in uh, in the catbird seat reigning champ. He's got his 2021 season off to as good a start as you can ask for. As we record this there's been one Lucas Oil Series event in the books. Guess who won? Anthony Vertozzi wins the points meet at Orlando. Um, so he's off to a hot start. 
if we were to transition into the the contenders and obviously clay in any sportsman category this is a pretty broad topic the contenders is literally every top dragster competitor in, in the world but if you were going to narrow it down to the the usual suspects right you got names like danny nelson uh, that we talked about earlier was the 2019 champ was last year's reigning champion came within one round of going back to back bradley johnson again uh who made a run at it, uh, unreal run at it there towards the end. And then names like Jeff Strickland, J.B. Strasweg, Mike Coughlin, uh, that are just seem to be there competing for the championship in the top 10 year in, year out. Absolutely. And and I'm going to throw a couple more in there that, that you didn't mention. I mean, you know, you look at Ross Larice, you know, a guy, huge supporter of the sportsman drag racing period. And, and another one that, uh, you know, maybe not everybody knows about, but a guy that races anytime there's a racetrack open, he's out there racing. And, and that's Wayne Landry, you know, a guy like that, that guy races a lot. So, you know, Anthony's off to the hot start, no doubt about it, but it is a long way from over with. Definitely a long way to go. I'll throw a former champion, Paul Nero's name in there too. He was on my list. One that I missed that will is certainly a, a force to be reckoned with and a contender. Uh, in each of these categories, we look, we try to look into what's, new right so what's new for 2021 and particular in, in particular in top dragster there's not necessarily a whole lot of new there's not a rule change that's going to have a dramatic impact um but as far as in kind of polling some of the uh, the top dragster community a common thing that i heard was that you're going to see continued diversity in power adders, right? For years, it was nitrous was the only way to go. We got into blowers more recently in pro chargers. And in 2020, the top three in national points were all by and large pro charger equipped cars. Anthony's a little bit of a unique example, like the, the race that he won at Orlando, uh, as an example, this season was in his quote unquote bracket car, which is a naturally aspirated car. But when he's got to go fast, he does it with the pro charger. Um, nitrous cars still in the top 10 traditional blower cars in the top 10 um the what i hear from the field is that as the bumps get quicker as the field gets more condensed you're going to see more diversity in power adders more people looking to go from say the 650 range to the 16 range which makes sense and a lot of that is contingent on geography it's it's no secret that division three division four get really fast and the other uh divisions are a little bit behind in that regard um so it's a little bit in where you live and what you necessarily have to do to get in but it makes sense that everybody's looking for more power in whatever way they can no doubt about it. I mean, the pro charger thing, you know, seems to be fairly consistent, but I hate to keep going back to Danny, but he's a friend and I know a lot about what he's done. You know, he's done it with the traditional supercharger and he won the championship with pro charge situation. So, I mean, you know, these guys that, that uh, really get serious and get after it. I mean, I think they have the ability, you know, and then of course it gets into funding kind of like my top fuel deal, you know, but it's like, how fast do you want to go? And then you take somebody like Jeff Strickland, who is definitely a bracket racer. And sometimes some of these fields, you know, he has to really start pushing his stuff because he likes to bracket race his car. Now it's fast, don't get me wrong, but I mean, you're looking at some places where the bump spots could be incredible, you know, and then that makes a guy like Jeff Strickland have to really, really get after his car and, and maybe lose some of this consistency. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens. When we look back on the, the bizarrity that was, is bizarrity a word? I don't know of 2020 right like i don't know that it's speculation at this point to say that we're completely out of the woods right I, I, in fact i think that's probably wishful thinking so i don't think it's absurd to think that events in 2020 
2021, that's so tricky to say too, will get rescheduled, possibly postponed. And the reason that I bring that up now is that specific to the top dragster and top sportsman categories, this as it happens and if it happens tends to have a bigger impact specifically at the national event level simply because top dragster and top sportsmen are not contested at every event. So if an event were to get moved, postponed, canceled completely that did feature top dragster, top sportsman, it can put a lot of those racers in a bad spot. And unfortunately, geography could play a pretty significant role in the championship chase. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, you know, we've talked a lot about Bradley Johnson and I, I can't find my, I got too many notes here for this, but I don't think he, you know, come nowhere near his allotment of national events last year, you know? So I think according to, you know, how the pandemic goes, I think we're going to see that play out in every category. You know, some of these people may not can afford to travel or, or spend the time away from work to travel to these events and may not be able to get the quota in, you know? So you're right. hundred percent. Yeah, it definitely had an impact on 2020. Hopefully it won't have a measurable impact on 21, but all bets are off at this point, right? Let's transition into the insider pick. And I put insider, if, if those of you can watch on video in, in quotations, because I don't know how inside on this we are. I don't know that we're going to have a better pick than anybody else would. But if I put you on the spot, Clay, give me the 2021 NHRA Top Dragster World Champ. I'm going to pull a little bit of jet on you. You know, uh, I mean, I'm are you going to pick four? <laughs> I'm going to pick two. I'm going to pick two. But I think we are going to see a repeat of a battle between Anthony and Danny. I, I really do. I think that it's going to be a repeat. I really do. Between those two. You know, I can't tell you which one, but I think that I, I think without a doubt it's going to be a, re a repeat. Uh, seeing those two battle it out would not only be fun, it would also be unsurprising right? Uh, never a shock to see two racers of, the, of that level uh, competing for the top slot, and particularly with the handle that they both seem to have on this category. I'll go a little bit not off the grid by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, with a name that might have slipped from our conscious a little bit within NHRA, just because he didn't focus on it last season. I think he was actually the PDRA champion. Uh, I'll go with Steve Furr. I have no no idea if he has designs or intentions to, to make a run at an NHRA championship, but if he does, certainly capable and probably overdue to get one. Can't argue with that one at all. I have uh, lost a round or two to that guy myself, you know, uh, and I think it's just a matter of, you know, does he decide that he really wants to get after it and chase it? You know, he, he stays very busy with his business and he builds a lot of the motors that are out there winning races. But, yeah, you can't count him out. Uh, how about a bold prediction for the top dragster category in 2021? Mentioned the name earlier, and I'm going to go back to Wayne Landry. Uh, again, I know the guy races a ton. And if he gets on a roll, you know, I, he's not scared to go test. He goes and runs his cars. And I'm, I'm going to go with Wayne Landry as my bold prediction and, and pull another jet on you. I'm going to put Ross Larice in that same group. That would not be a surprise to anyone either. I think it was two years ago Ross was really in contention for the championship down late in the season. Uh, certainly a, another capable driver in the top drag extra category. I'll go in a little bit different direction with my bold prediction uh, I get really fired up. I get fired up about Indy to begin with. 
And when they brought Top Dragster and Top Sportsman to Indy two years ago, I thought it's the coolest thing. God, I know you can uh, appreciate this, like thinking back to the IHRA days at Norwalk. Like those Top Dragster, Top Sportsman qualifying sessions were must-see TV, right? It was the funnest thing in the world, and especially back in that day, like it's uh the technology has advanced pretty considerably now but it was pretty much a guarantee at norwalk back in the day that in each of those sessions somebody would blow the hood scoop 100 feet in the air with a nitrous backfire somebody would try to flip over backwards like you they were all just trying to do stuff they'd never done to try to get into the show indy has a similar feel like the today's top dragster competitors have such a good handle on it that it's not quite the same level of intrigue but when you get a field as tightly compressed and as fast as specifically Top Dragster's been at Indy. In, uh, in 2019, the first year that TD came to Indy, the bump in three sessions, 623 with a four. It's the quickest bump to date. 30 of the 32 were in the teens. Uh, a year ago at Indy, we, we got condensed to just two sessions. The bump still was uh, 627.5 with 27 of the 32 in the 16s. So my bold prediction, and this is a little bit contingent on schedule and weather and everything else, particularly if we get three sessions at Indy, I say the bump goes sub 620, and I'm here for it, Clay. That's going to be fun. I like it. And I mean, let's think about it. You know, everybody loves watching, you know, the fuel cars run and and they know, you know, there's a bump spot. You got to be in the quick 16. But let's complicate it a little bit by making if you go, you know, too quick in top dragster, it don't count, you know. And so uh, I agree with you. It's must see. You know, it's it's one of those things that, uh, you know, the the fans are getting extra show far as I'm concerned because the cars go really fast. But yet if they go too fast, the run don't count. So, I mean, it's awesome. I agree. Quicker than 620 with three sessions for sure. All right, let's jump over into Top Sportsman, where our reigning champ is just a pup, Clay. Young Darian Bosch, 21-year-old, just his second season in Top Sportsman. But that is uh, selling Darian a little bit short. It's not as if he is a rookie by any stretch of the imagination. Darian had an illustrious junior dragster career, has run um, Top Dragster with success for going on five years. But nonetheless... To go in running, you know, 620s, 630s in a door car at that age is, and then to have the success that he's had, I guess it's not, it's unsurprising, but it is still quite an accomplishment and commendable to come out on top, particularly of the field that he did in 2020 and driving the car that he does. I mean, he was typically low qualifier everywhere he goes. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, you know, he definitely put on a good show. I mean, it, I don't want to say it was a commanding win, but, you know, he had a little bit of gap there over Alan Firestone. And, you know, that is one of those classes that I absolutely love. I've never, you know, raced top sportsman, but it's so much history there because there is no pro mod without top sportsman. And so, and you get a little, little bit of that pro mod type, action watching these guys because they're not always going to go straight, you know, and it's not always going to be perfect. And for Darian, again, like I say, he's young and he went out there and, and, and he showed out, you know, he did what he needed to do and put a little bit of gap on the field, but uh, it's going to be a fun year watching these guys again. It is it's probably the most enjoyable sportsman category from a spectator standpoint is just to watch top sportsman for all the reasons that you mentioned, plus the variety and power adders and the the personality of the cars. Like top sportsman is very, very cool. If we're to shift the focus from Darien to the, the contenders, 
In the famous words of Rocky Balboa, every champion was once a contender who refused to give up. It's time to talk contenders. Again, we'll just list the the usual suspects. You mentioned Alan Firestone, number two in 2020. Sandy Wilkins, always a threat, uh, was the champ in 2019. And then I'll list off some names that just seemingly show up in the top 10 year in, year out. Don Mazir, Ron Regal. Uh, Ronnie Proctor, who was a former NHRA champ and one of my all-time favorite interviews over on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. Ronnie's a cool cool dude. And one of my personal favorites, if you've ever listened to said podcast, you know I'm a big fan of Lester Johnson and just the way that he goes about his business. So I always put Lester in there. Uh, He's going to be low qualifier wherever he goes, and he has a way of getting that big shoebox down the racetrack in impressive fashion. Oh, absolutely. Fun to watch. And like I said, you named off a couple of really, really good guys. And and I mean, to me, I don't know what it is about top sportsmen, but we seem to get guys that maybe aren't on the radar from time to time that get their car figured out. They figured out how to make them consistent and they get on a run and, and end up with some good numbers at the end, you know. But uh, the guys you mentioned, you know, Sandy Wilkins is one, you know, that that is he's always been a player in this deal and, and he always is there. You know, but uh, can Darian Bosch repeat? That'll be really, really cool to find out. I mean, those guys, you know, they they run two blower cars and and they race a lot all the time, kind of the way I was talking about Wayne Landry earlier. You know, they go run the wheels off their cars and they don't, they're not afraid to go test if they, they find something wrong or they think there's something better. You know, so they have put in the work to win that championship. So this season coming up is going to be fun again. Yeah, no, if we'll circle back to to Darian and his father, I mean, they are doing this in impressive fashion. Not only are they essentially the fastest car in the class almost everywhere they go, that's not your typical top sportsman combination. You know, I mean, the the vast majority of those cars are still nitrous assisted. You see a few of the Pro Charger cars coming in. You don't see a lot of the traditional screw type blowers, and that's what Darian and, and his father are doing it with. They are, and and I know for sure, like I say, they go run the wheels off the things, and, you know, so they put in the work to to make the consistency, and it was was a fun year to watch. But, I mean, you you know, Alan Firestone, I I keep bringing him back up. He's one that's been around and knows how to get it done, and I'm quite sure he does not like having that number two on his car. So, I mean, you know, he's going to probably be putting a little little extra work and be ready to, you know, come out swinging. All right, what's new in Top Sportsman as we turn the calendar here into 2021? I'll reiterate a little bit what we talked about in Top Dragster. I don't think there is nearly as much emphasis on the broadening uh, scene of power adders as there is in Top Dragster. As I mentioned earlier, I feel like Nitrous is still the tool of the choice for the majority. And there's still, uh, like, by and large, there are obviously pockets where this happens, but the Top Dragster bumps get a little bit more carried away than the top sportsman bumps on average, right? So there's not been this pressing need to, oh, I got to get down sub 650. You know, I mean, there's very, very few races where you got to go super fast. So I don't think we see quite as much of that. I think the concerns about points geography apply, obviously, uh, to top sportsman as much as top dragster, particularly if we do get into a situation of having events moved around and or canceled. Um, one thing that I did hear from some of the top sportsman contingent, and I think this applies to top dragster as well, Clay, is just you see um, several uh, regional, for the most part, series popping up for the top sportsman, top dragster racers at, in various areas of the country that particularly in 
you know, what promises to be a, another difficult travel season, unpredictable travel season. And for the amount of money that, and time and resources that goes into running a top sportsman or top extra car, that some of these series may, we may see racers elect to stay a little bit closer to home, you know, for this season alone. That could obviously have an impact on the points chase as well. Absolutely. And you're on to something there that's very true, especially, you know, the further south you get kind of in my area and, and, you know, the Carolinas and all that. The top sportsman type cars have many, many options, you know. So you may see somebody that, that we always think of as a contender that maybe he doesn't start out that well and he ends up, you know, doing other events because there's so many other things they can do with those cars, you know, quick eights and all these other things that a lot of these little racetracks may sidetrack some of the contenders. And then on the flip side of that, maybe it's somebody that we don't even really know about that shows up and, hey, they win, win a race or they go deep rounds and they're like, you know what, I'm going to chase this thing. There's a lot of really fast cars, you know, in, in the southeastern part of the United States. So, I mean, it may be somebody that pops up that you and I don't even really know about. You know, that's the, the beauty of, of top sportsmen because the cars are fast enough to, to do things that other, you know, fast cars can't do you know there's not necessarily a, a place to go quick eight race your top dragster but there is top sportsman clay i feel like you set the stage for my insider pick for top sportsman i'm gonna go with a man that uh, was not in the top 10 last year in fact has never finished in the top 10 in nhra top sportsman although admittedly 2020 was his first season in the category i'll go a little bit out on a limb and predict matt driscoll to win the 2021 national championship. Matt, who most of you are probably familiar with, is former national champion in the super comp category, nearly did the same in top dragster. I believe he finished second a couple years back, um, ventured into top sportsman in 2020 and didn't go to a single national event, nearly finished in the top 10 anyway, because he basically ran over division five, was the division five top sportsman champ in his first year in the category. Um, Feels like he's got a good setup under him. Obviously, Matt, in addition to being a great driver, one of the more noted tuners, engine builders in the industry, got this figured out with relative ease, at least from the outside, and uh, and made a made a very successful run at 2020. I'll uh, I don't know if his schedule even allows him, you know, business wise to to attend the races necessary. But if so, he's certainly a threat. He's my pick. No arguing that one at all. I mean, the guy's proven, you know, he's an awesome 90 racer, and you know, and uh, can't argue with that. And, and if you want my uh, long shot, so to speak, I'm going to go with, if he, if he travels and chases it, which we know this is on pretty much everybody due to the pandemic thing, but I'm going to go with Bob Galetti. I think, uh, you know, certainly a, a family name there that wins a lot of races and i think he's very good at what he does and and he likes going fast and does well with the door cars and so that's going to be my my long shot pick is bob galetti galetti and driscoll actually kind of similar uh, points seasons in 2020 we we sung the praises and rightfully so of darian bosch darian bosch didn't win the division four championship last year that was galetti and he didn't go to, I think he attended one national event on the season, similar to Driscoll. Yeah, Mr. Bob is always a threat wherever you go. Give me a, uh, get outside the championship realm, perhaps, but give me a, a bold prediction for top sportsman in 2021. Man, I'm probably going to steal your pick. I mean, we don't know what each other has written down, but my bold prediction is going to be your, your, one of your favorites, and that's Lester Johnson. 
I, I mean, I, I probably stole your pick there, but we did this separately. I promise y'all we did. But, I mean, the guy goes fast. He's consistent. And who wouldn't love to see him win the championship? As I've said before, class minimum Lester Johnson is my favorite Lester Johnson. So, Lester, if you're going to do this, let's make a run at it, but let's make a run at it down 610. I like that a lot. Uh, my bold prediction, I'll just go, uh, and maybe this doesn't sound as bold. I'll just say that the top five at season's end will include one nitrous car, one blower car, one pro charger car. I, I, and in saying it's a pro charger car, that's probably Lester, right? There's not too many right. doing that in, uh, in top sportsmen. In saying it's a blower car, it's probably Darian Bosch. Uh, there's more nitrous cars, but again, I, th- I think that uh, you'll just see that disparity um, in the top five. I agree. I agree with that. But I can tell you who's probably going to mess us up. I'm, I'm uh, adding a little bit here, but I think Sandy Wilkins will, will make another big, huge run at it. If his business allows him to do it, you can never count that dude out. No, he has been at this game for a long time and is uh, one heck of a top sportsman competitor, no doubt. All right, let's switch it over to let's do stock eliminator next. Um, okay. Obviously, our reigning uh, world champ Jody Lang had a great conversation with Jody on the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast uh, a few weeks back. If you haven't listened, check that out. Uh, long overdue national championship for Jody Lang. He's knocked on the door so many times, uh, has come heartbreakingly close on a couple of occasions. Uh, up until 2020, he had the dubious distinction of holding the, the highest points total ever to not win a world championship. He put up 699 points, uh, I believe in 2011, to finish second to Joe Santangelo. 2020 was the year that it all came together for Jody Lang. And when we look back on Jody's season, his 637 points paced the field by over 100 points, so it's easy to now look back and say, oh, he ran away with it. That was a little bit misleading because coming into that last set of events at, in Vegas, it was very much up in the air. Um, Justin Lamb, I think, was the last driver that had a shot at Jody Lang, and he went down early in the last event, which Jody went on to win. And so that that spread things out a little bit, but it was much closer than it looks on paper. When we look back on Jody Lang's 2020 season, he had two divisional wins plus that season-ending Jag Sports Nationals win at Vegas to, again, claim a long-overdue national championship for the Division Six runner. I mean, I, I'm going to just you know, jump over to uh, the Sportsman Drag Race podcast. The interview y'all did with him was awesome. I mean, that is a guy that has just kept – going and going and going and it's done well and I don't know that there's anybody that's earned a championship probably more deserving because he's just maintained what he's done and has just gotten better and better at it and so you know that was one of those it's like yep that was a cool one that that they got the job done yeah and I think whether you know Jody Lang or not I think he's hard not to root for. I mean, it's a freaking station wagon and stock eliminator. I mean, like when we had Jody on the show, I basically said, you know, when you introduced this car 25 years ago, it probably wasn't wildly considered as the tool for the job, the ultimate tool, much less today. You know, I mean, you've got Copo cars and and factory Cobra jets and everything else that are eight second stock eliminator cars and Jody's still putting along in the high 11s low 12s and just consistently finds a way to get it done I think it's cool and impressive and and I don't know how he does it I mean because 
you know, a stock eliminator is one of the classes where weather and especially wind affects those more than any other cars out there. And his is at the top of the list. It, I mean, he's, he's got a freaking cruise ship going down the racetrack, you know, and, and he always is going to be, you know, looking over his shoulder. I, I don't know how he does it. You know, it's so impressive. I don't get it. I mean, I just don't get it. You know, station wagons are cool. I think they're cool. And, you know, when we see them at the bracket races, they're usually wheelie popping machines, you know, and they're fun to watch. But to go out and win an NHRA championship, like say in a cruise ship, is is just well-deserved. And I don't know how he did it, but my hat is off to him because he, he got it done. When we look at contenders to the crown again, I mean, you could literally pick out a hundred names from the the archives of uh, NHRA Stock Eliminator. We'll hit on some obvious candidates. Parker DeVore, uh, young racer from Oklahoma, had an incredible 2020 season, finished second in the world uh, to Jody Lang. You've got um, stock and super stock racers, uh, Justin Lamb, Kyle Rizzoli, David Latino all finished in the top 10 of both categories last year there's certainly going to be a threat obviously the Emmons brothers uh, from down near Houston who had an incredible 2020 highlighted by uh, multi multiple wins at the US Nationals something that I'm sure they will never forget uh, and then just names like Brett Candies, Scott Burton, Ryan Mangus, Slate Cummings uh, and so many more that uh, could certainly contend for the championship this year and any year. Oh I mean I 100% agree and you know and Stock and super stock are those classes that to me are like NHRA tradition. It seems like the people that do them, it passes on to their children and they continue doing them. And I've run a few of those races. I know you have too. It is hard. I mean, you know, the rules are really, really like, especially in stock, you know, it's like, man, this is hard. You know, it's like, I want to change this to make my car better. Well, guess what? You can't. But yet these people seem to figure it out. You know, and there's so many weird and, you know, odd things of, you know, how, man, it just gets crazy. You know, you start thinking about trying to essentially bracket race a quadrajet carburetor. Come on, give me a break. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's crazy, all the things, but yet some of those names, you know, have been around forever. And then, you know, now the kids are doing it. And, but you still got the traditionalists that can come up and bite you at any moment. No, stock is a is a unique category. When when I first got into NHRA racing, stock was like the natural fit, right? I said foot brake racer. So my buddy and I would build a stock eliminator car and thinking, I don't want to say I ever thought like this would be easy, but like I can go in here and have some success. And you realize really quickly that there is so much more to stock eliminator than meets the eye. Not just the rules. There's just a there is so much nuance to that game and it is so much harder than I ever would have given it credit for. Because uh, for a lot of the 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 factors that you just mentioned, you know, I mean you're very limited on what you can change, what you can do. And you're just in cars that naturally uh, are going to vary a lot in terms of wind and weather. And then you've got the dynamic of, you know, heads up runs and trying to make your car faster and trying to avoid heads up runs if you're not fast. And there's just a whole lot more two stock than meets the eye, which makes you really, really appreciate the, the competitors that have success, particularly year over year. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, the couple of cars that I've kind of messed with in the stock eliminator class, one goes way, way back, a dear friend, kind of how I ended up in top field. Raymond King, raised, he actually was the first person to ever win a NHRA race 
in a pickup truck. When the trucks became legal, and he did it in all things, a V6 Dodge Dakota. Now, you want to talk about aggravating, trying to make something run the number. I was so glad when he got rid of that thing so that we didn't have to work on it anymore. And he just started helping me super comp with my Chrysler 440 Dragster, which was odd enough as it was. But, man, it's, it's just it's, – it's a tough, tough, crazy class. And mm -hmm. I appreciate those guys. And there's some characters out there. And I know we're going to get into some here in just a minute. Give me a bold uh, insider pick. Or, you know, who's your pick to win the championship for 2021? Good afternoon, John. How are you? Hey, this how's is it going? Jordan with the NHRA Insiders. You mailed in a postcard to my company a few weeks ago requesting information on drivers that have huge upside potential with very little downside risk. Does that ring a bell? Yeah, okay, I may great. have. A well, the reason I'm calling is an extremely exciting insider has just crossed my desk today, and it is perhaps the best thing I've seen in the last six months. This pick is a cutting-edge driver awaiting their opportunity that could have both national and divisional implications. Does that sound like something you'd be interested in? Well, I am. I mean, man, it's, it's so easy to say Justin Lamb. You know what I mean? It's just so easy to say. I mean, he's, he's well on his way to being – he already is a bad, bad dude, but he's well on his way to being one of the baddest ever. But I, I'm going to say my pick is going to be somebody that's going to be, you know, got himself back in gear and rolling again, and that's going to be Austin Williams. That, that's going to be my pick. I'll, uh, I'll keep it in the state of Texas and, and almost within the family because I know that, uh, that Austin and Jeff Lopez run together pretty good. It's a bit of a homer pick. Uh, Jeff, Jeff and I go way back. Uh, he was in my wedding, if that tells you anything. But uh, he's always a threat in whatever category he runs. And, and similar to Austin, like when you look from the outside looking in, like say you pull up the, the results on Drag Race Central, it's rare that an Austin Williams or a Jeff Lopez puts together like seven runs and you just go, oh my God, they were unbeatable. And yet they find a way to win time after time. Like they're just so, it's situational awareness more than anything. They just know how to turn the wind light on. And they're very, very similar in that way. And, and I think it's unique that they are so close because I think they, they, they feed off one another and, and, and think a lot alike. So our, our picks are almost one and the same. But yeah, I'll, I'll go with my man Tex-Mex. And, uh, and Jeff Lopez to win the uh, Stock Eliminator Championship. How about a bold prediction for Stock Eliminator? Bold prediction. You, you, you'll like this one, and everybody that knows him will uh, will understand. But we will have to see what they do. And this family races a lot, and they they do a lot of things around racing. And they are also the family that but puts on the. Great American Guaranteed Million, but uh, Mr. Hurricane himself, Slate Cummings. I mean, you've said this, and I'm still in your line on this, but he makes stock like uh, one of those shows that you've got to watch. And you only need to be in the last three or 400 feet, you know, for the show because you just, he's so unpredictable. You know, he is a hurricane behind the wheel, you know, the way he dials, the way he drives, the things he does. But my bold prediction is definitely uh, Baby Gap. Slate. Big year for Baby Gap. I like that. I will, uh, this, this is another thing, just given the, the parody, really, in any of the NHRA sportsman categories. When I say this, it probably doesn't sound like a bold prediction. My, my prediction is that the, the champ, the 2021 NHRA Stock Eliminated World Champion, will come from outside of the 2020 top 10. And again, normally you'd say, ah, that, that's not that bold a prediction. To your earlier point, stock and super stock 
are almost like a family tradition. You don't see as much turnover throughout the class and specifically at the top year over year as you might say in super comp, super gas, right? So it's, it's kind of rare that you have somebody quote unquote come out of nowhere. I just feel like this is a year that we'll have some turnover. Obviously my pick to do that is, is Jeff Lopez, but there are literally tens if not hundreds of capable stock eliminator racers to, to make that run from outside of last year's top 10. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. I mean, I, I love the class. Like I say, I'm, I'm glad I don't race in it, but I absolutely love it because there's so many characters, so many things that go on, and whew, it's just hard to do it, though. All right, let's take our stock eliminator and supersize it. Super stock. As we look back on 2020, it was all Warner all the time. Brian Warner, your national champion, he joins his brother Byron as an NHRA Superstock national champion. Speaking of joining his brother Byron, they finished 1-2 in the world in 2020, which to the best of my limited research is the first time that that's happened in an NHRA sportsman category, uh, keeping it within the family. Brian's season, he put up a massive 690-point score. I mean, that's a massive score in any season, much less a pandemic-shortened, weird season that we had in 2020. Uh, races were cut out. To get to 690 is just absurd. He did so with three wins and two runner-ups. As a reminder, you only get to claim eight races. He was in five finals, right? Um, his 690 points was the highest total in any sportsman category across the NHRA landscape in 2020. And I mean, how cool is that for brothers to do that? You know what I mean? And uh, Brian obviously, you know, got the, the bragging rights that will go on forever and ever and ever. You know, we, we know how family is and how that stuff goes. But I just think it's it's the coolest thing ever. And and it's interesting. And I'm going to ask you this. You know, is there – Scotty and Edmund, did they ever do anything like this? One, two like that? I believe they were one, three in their best season. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. Because I don't dig into this as deeply as you do, but I did kind of look around and like I scrolling through, I couldn't find anything like this. And what they did this season, you know, I say Brian especially, that's freaking bad to the ball. I mean, he was he was a man on a mission that got it done, and his brother come right along with him. If we were to delve into contenders not named Warner, uh, one of the obvious candidates you mentioned him earlier, Justin Lamb, who at a young age is I think we kind of take Justin for granted like he's literally on pace on pace to be looked at as the best sportsman racer of all time like we the Peter Biondo's got seven championships Justin's got five and he's in his mid-30s I mean it's it's pretty incredible when you step back on it and and especially you look at the talent the program that he's got it would be no surprise if he won two national championships in 2021 you know much less one so He's on a unmatched trajectory, I, I think is fair to say. Kyle Rizzoli, who we talked about earlier, David Latino, those three all finished top 10 again in both stock and super stock a year ago. Uh, and then, again, the kind of the usual suspects. We talked about the Emmons brothers in stock. In super stock specifically, uh, Jeff Dona and Ricky Decker tend to run around in, in, in a pair and are a huge, serious threat wherever they go. Uh, Dona, multi-time top 10 finisher. Decker, former world champion. Uh, Anthony Bertozzi, Jimmy DeFrank. I mean, the list goes on. Superstock is is loaded. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's a name that I'm, I'm looking at my list here. It, this is not necessarily one of my predictions or whatever, but a guy that 
has done this for a very, very long time. And I don't know what it is about the Jegs All-Stars, but he always shows up, knocks them out of the park, and that's Mike Crutchfield. You know, that guy is is incredible. I, I don't know how old Mike is now, but, man, he just doesn't seem to slow down. And he finished outside the top ten. So, I mean, I think that's another guy that, according to what he decides to do, you know, how much he's going to get after it. But But he's another one that goes right up there, you know, with your lambs and the Warners, you know, so it's a field wide open this coming season. When you're talking uh, Jegs All-Stars specific to Superstock, I figured you were going back to Slate. Like he seems to own that event, Stock and Superstock. Uh, and another one that we didn't mention that is obviously uh, a threat in the Superstock category as well. New for 2021. I don't like it unless it's. I don't like it unless it's. Yo, Luke, tell us what's new. I don't know, subtle but significant uh, rule change that I don't think will necessarily impact the 2021 season. And I'm going to try not to get too complex because, uh, like we talked about with stocks, Superstock's got its own level of, of nuance. And honestly, if these new GT rules apply to you, you're probably very aware of it and could explain it in a much better way than I could. And if it doesn't apply to you, it just seems complicated and you probably don't really care but essentially uh, NHRA has made the decision to disregard the factory shipping weight so you essentially get to pick your combo and your class in a pounds per cubic inch uh, element exclusively so you don't have to abide by say a factory shipping weight you still have to abide by ballast rules for safety but now as an example like it would be possible to run say a late model copo motor in a 55 shoebox and not be tied to the absorbent you know factory shipping weight uh, in the past racers would be basically forced to determine their natural class by shipping weight and you could only shift from that by a class or two now it's strictly horsepower to weight you know within the rules of the class and within the rules of balance again i think the change is subtle um, but a good change and probably long overdue it'll be interesting to see you know what some of the the racers do with that. You know what I mean? I mean, maybe that they're able to take and make their cars work better in some kind of way, but very much like stock where they can do a little bit more to their cars here. So some of these guys are going to take advantage and maybe make their cars just work better. Plain and simple all about it. But, you know, but I still think it's going to be, you know, the crop of racers that always win. And in this class, it's a lot of them. So, you know, it'll be a fun year to watch super stock as always, but man, oh man. I'm going to go on and give you my prediction for, for the champ. And, and I didn't pick him in stock, but I'm going to go with Justin Lamb on, on this one. I mean, I, I didn't pick him in stock, but it's hard to believe he's going to be shut out for all those things you just mentioned, you know, all the championships, all the thing, and the guy could win multiples, but that's my prediction for the champ. And then when we we'll, we get into the other stuff, I've got some long shots for you too. Yeah, it's hard to bet against Justin. I believe he's going to be uh, in a different car this year. I believe that uh, he's transitioning away from his familiar Cobalt. This might be a little inside baseball. I don't know if I'm supposed to release this, uh, <laughs> but uh, he's going to be uh, behind the wheel of a, of a Cobra Jet car with the help of uh, Stone Chevrolet out in California. So that, uh, but yeah, always a good pick. Justin, to say he's a threat, I feel like is the understatement of the year. He's, he's probably the favorite year in and year out. For my insider pick, I think... Um, I'll go not off the radar, but again, similar to what I did in stock, outside the, the current top 10 or the, the 2020 top 10. Several names come to mind. Um, 
Tyler Wadarzik, huge threat out of Division Five. Tyler Bohannon. I can't think of any other super stock racers named Tyler. I, if I could, I would go down that road with you a little bit. Um, Jeff Heffler, down in Division Four, the the winningest driver in the history of the Summit ET Series, also a former Stock Eliminator World Champion. Looks like he's made really uh, considerable strides in his super stock program. It would be no surprise to anybody if he made a deep run. But if I had to pick one, give me Cooter. I mean, Jimmy Hidalgo Jr. I feel like he's a championship waiting to happen. Golly. So there's no way you can see my notes here, but I actually wrote Insider on this one, and it's Cooter. Uh, and Cooter has is, is got big tires on the car this year, uh, going to a trans break. So I've done a little digging, you know, so he's it's more of a real traditional super stock car where he's done really, really well, but not doing it the way the rest of the super stockers. So – we're going to go hand in hand on that one. I'm going with Cooter on, on that as well. No pressure to the puppy. How about a, a bold prediction for uh, the Super Stop category? I'll keep it on the championship level again. I'll say that the champ in 2021 will not come from the West Coast. Like, I hope I'm wrong here. It just feels like the West Coast schedule is more up in the air than the rest of the country. This could apply to, to any category, obviously. I think it's always difficult just from a logistics standpoint, to chase a title from out west. Um, and perhaps, you know, given all of that, it may not seem bold to say that, I, ah, the champion won't come from Division 6 or 7. But in saying that, keep in mind, I'm eliminating Justin Lamb, Kyle Rizzoli, Jimmy DeFrank. You know, I mean, that's that's a pretty bold statement. And, and I hope that I'm proven wrong. I hope that everyone's on equal footing in 2021. But that's, if it, as bold as it gets from my end, I'll say that the champion comes from uh, kind of the east of the maybe not even east of the mississippi east of the rockies how about that all right all right it, this is not too bold but it's weird we have kind of made our way for the most part through the super stock class here and i think we mentioned his name once but when i think when we talked about him a ton in top dragster but i think anthony will uh, show out again in super stock because when i think of anthony it's not top dragster it's bottom bulb the guy's studies he's up there constantly making notes he can tell you what every car run what what they should run and so I, I think it's Anthony but but I got another little bold prediction that's not about championship but I think there will be a national event win by the Emmons that's not one of the triplets how about that oh are we seeing a speedy return I think so I think I so it. I mean I don't have I don't really know that for a fact but but I, I feel like that I would love to see that. All right, let's transition into competition eliminator. The champ, the reigning champ coming in, Craig Bourgeois, earned his second title, second national title in 2020, uh, backing up the title that he won back in 2015. He did it in grand style with four Lucas Oil Series wins and the deciding, essentially, national event victory late in the season at Houston over uh, his rival, I guess you would say, Frank Aragona in the final round. That Again, the the spread, kind of similar to Jody Lang in stock, the, the end spread looks like Bourgeois dominated the season. That was very much up in the air late in the year. Craig Bourgeois, you know, man, they they are just awesome. A little bit of quick history. A guy named Joe Martino was kind of Craig's mentor. Always had a really fast, typically like B. Cano, always really fast, set the records, all that sort of thing. 
and, and Craig learned a lot from him and, and he's continued to learn more and continues to just show up and show out every time there's a comp race and they're just good people. You know, Craig, his whole camp, and fun, fun people. And, but I mean, you know, it's, it's hard to count out, you know, again, very much like the other two classes we were talking about, it seems to be a, a family thing. You know, you look at Aragona, you know, that's a, that's a family thing. It's a tradition there. Doug Lambeck, you know, there's so many names in this class and it is such a complicated class that a lot of people really don't pay attention to it. But to me, is so much innovation in it. These guys do it with some of the weirdest combinations and they sound funny. You know, it's almost no question when you're in the pit area working on your car and you hear something strange, you're like, oh, comp's running, you know, or maybe it's, it's a traditional V8, but it's at like 12,000 RPM, you know, okay, comp's up there doing a burnout, you know. I love the class. It's a cool class. It is. I think it's hard for the average racer to understand because there is a lot of complexity to it, but there is also a lot of freedom to, like, it's the class for innovation and i and i it's so fun to watch the variety of cars and drivers and engine combinations and everything along those lines if we shift away from uh, mr bourgeois to the the contenders obviously the the most notable is frank aragona right and it's been those two for the better part of the last half decade this past season bourgeois was the champ aragona finished in the top 10 made a late run at it a year prior aragona was the champ bourgeois finished second um in 2018 aragona was the champ bourgeois finished fourth in 2017 aragona was second to david rampey bourgeois just outside the top 10 you got to go back to 2016 where neither of them finished in the top 10 and there's several uh you know championship runs and top 10 finishes for both of them prior to that um so frank aragona leads the list obviously in, in contenders to the crown um if we're going to go a little bit further down the line Doug Engels, who did finish second in 2020. Joe Mozeris from out west was third in 2020. Uh, Chase Williams, Doug Lambeck, also in the top 10. I don't know if you've got any names to add to that list. Well, I mean, that's, that's a, a pretty good list. You know, they, uh, and, and again, you know, back to the pandemic thing, you know, the, the West Coast guys, I think, have a big disadvantage. And, you know, we don't know how that's going to play out this year. But uh, there's a lot of fast comp cars on the West Coast, you know, a lot of fast comp cars. And, I mean, this is kind of obviously it's late news, but one spot was freed up when David Rampey, you know, retired. You know, so that, that, that that's changed the way comp is because he was such a big part of it for so many years, won so many races, you know, and, and you see guys like, you know, Craig and Frank taking advantage of extra wins probably just because David Rampey's not there anymore. Yeah, good point. What's new for 2021, and I, I think the biggest thing that stands out, and this, this filters into every sportsman category on some level, but as you mentioned in the open, Clay, it's huge in comp. Um, Roger Brogdon and his company, uh, Rooftech, in partnership with uh, Owens Corning, have put up a massive points fund uh, for basically every category in Division 4, but the bulk of it is in Competition Eliminator. Uh, huge, huge purses added, not just to the Division 4 champion, but basically for the top 10 uh, in the category. And it's, I'll get to this, I guess, in my bold prediction. I feel like this can't not have an impact on Competition Eliminator uh, and the way that it plays out in 2021, because I would have to assume that 
if you're a serious competition eliminator racer from wherever you're in the country, the allure's got to be pretty significant to go race Division Four. Like that, that addition to the normal NHRA points fund is pretty monumental. It really is, and you know, it's going to be interesting. How does that affect the points? Because you're going to have so many guys. Every event in Division Four is going to be like Indy. You know, when it comes to qualifying, running your index, all those sort of things, I think that will have a big outcome of who's the champ. What is it? I don't know, but it's got to because it's going to make Division Four Comp Eliminator got to be the toughest division in the country this year because of Roger Brogdon and Roof Tech. That's some serious money that I don't know that they've ever raced for that kind of money. And hats off to Roof Tech for doing that. That's pretty cool. You know, uh, Man, bringing that kind of money into, into NHRA sportsman racing is huge. You know, I mean, I know for sure you remember the days of the contingency being such a crucial part of trying to win a race and, and, and uh, keeping the lights turned on at your house back in the day. And that's not as much there anymore. And for a company to come in and, and offer something like this, it will make a big difference to a lot of racers. No doubt. So along those lines, you said this is going to impact the championship. Give me your pick. Insider pick, 2021 Competition Eliminator World Champ. I am definitely going to stay with Mr. Craig Bourgeois. I think, you know, he's going to repeat. I know that's not going out on the limb, and, you know, that's not, a, that's not my bold prediction. I've got that for when you ask me that later. But I think the champ will be Craig. It's hard to bet against Bourgeois and or Aragona. Like they seem to have been the the, the cream of the crop for the last couple of years, and specifically uh, since since David Rampey, you know, retired from the sport, as you mentioned. If I've got a, if you tell me, Luke, you got to bet your house on this. Like I'll just pick Frank Aragona, just because you know it's hard to bet against. But if you told me, hey, you need to go outside of the the power structure, so to speak, uh, I'll go with. Pete Dagnolo, like he's the reigning Division Four champ. Or, sorry, reigning Division One champ, uh, multi-faceted driver, um, colorful, decorated resume, um, most notably in Superstock. But the guy can kind of do it all behind the wheel, and he illustrated that in his first year in competition eliminator last year. Uh, so, I feel like, and I'll get to this in my bold prediction, the the world champ probably comes from outside of Division Four. And if I'm looking for racers outside of Division Four, I, I think Dagnola is a real threat if they if they can make enough events. Can't argue with it at all. I mean, I'm I'm gonna go. I guess if you want, if you want to call this my long shot, I'm gonna go with Ashton Hudson. You know, he had a had a crash, got his stuff back together. He's a smart guy. I mean, the guy's a freaking doctor. You know, and he's in he's in a door car. A little, not necessarily completely different in Comp Eliminator, but. That's who I'm going to go with on my long shot. Uh, the Division Four thing, can't argue with that a whole lot, but we know Craig will be in Division Four. I'm quite sure, and so will Frank. So, you know, I'm not going to say that the champ's not coming out of Division Four. you know, but but it is going to uh, make it interesting. Well, that's, that's the basis of my bold prediction. I think when we look back at season's end that the best car – and driver perhaps in the country almost undeniably is going to be the division four champion because everyone's going to converge on it for this unheard of bonus i think that in large part like they just beat each other up like and i 
so from a from an NHRA points earning perspective, it wouldn't shock me a bit, and that'll be my bold prediction: was that the champion will come from elsewhere. Even though I think most competition eliminators will look at whoever wins the Division Four title as like that's the biggest, the baddest. But I don't think that they'll necessarily be the NHRA champ in 2021. It's a bold prediction, Bogalak. Let's see if it pays off for you. So here's my bold prediction, and you may think I'm crazy, and I know it's a friend of yours, and. Uh, but my bold prediction is the 200-mile-an-hour buggy of Brad Plord is going to be a threat all the way down to the last race, and Craig's going to just edge him out. That's my bold prediction. Love Brad Plord, love the buggy, and he is not afraid to wheel that thing. He needs to get in a funny car. How did how did I not include Brad in the contenders? Absolutely right. No, and and, and I believe I think he even posted this on on Facebook somewhere. I believe that their intention is to chase points in Division Four, like the majority of the the high level competition eliminator teams. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I feel like uh, if uh, if Slate Cummings is is spectator friendly, right? Must see TV, so to speak. Competition eliminator in Division Four must see TV. Clay, man, thanks again for coming on, uh, spending the last hour here with us. This has been a ton of fun. Uh, really appreciate you being here, man. Man, I have had a blast doing this. This was a lot of fun. I enjoyed doing my homework on this because it just makes me appreciate the sportsman racer even more. You know, you, you know, yes, you know, you mentioned I, I do keep up with it, but I haven't dove off into it like this. And it's so much history, so many things, so many people, so many different characters, so many different cars. How can you not love sportsman drag racing? You know, that's just all there is to it. I mean, you know, while I love my job and, and I hope to keep doing it for a long time, I still love my sportsman guys. I am still that bracket racer at heart, and I appreciate how hard it is to do it with a regular job and travel up and down the road. Uh, I love the sportsman guys. I shouldn't say guys. I love the sportsman people because there's plenty of ladies out there that'll kick your butt. And uh, one just popped to mind that I didn't even mention was like Allison Dahl. Take somebody like her. She will absolutely put a whooping on you. I don't care how if you're the toughest man in the world, but there's so many ladies involved in the sportsman class too. So I hate to say sportsman guys, but I love the sportsman drag racers. Luke, I really appreciate you letting me come on and ramble on as uh, we seem to do when we get together, but I really enjoyed being part of the show. Uh, from your mouth to my heart, my friend, I could not agree more. Uh, again, thanks so much. This has been a blast. Thanks, buddy. All right, that's it. That's the show. Uh, if you haven't already, uh, be sure to subscribe to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. You can do that in uh, wherever it is that you're accessing this podcast, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, wherever it is that you were listening to the show, subscribe. If you would, drop us a rating, a review. Those things uh, are simple to do, but they do make a big difference in the metrics. They help us out uh, and make us happy. So, uh, I, want to, I do want to thank uh, Clay Milliken, obviously, for uh, taking the time, the energy to not only do this, but to take it seriously. Like, I think you can tell Clay did his research, and he's obviously passionate about what we're doing here. Thanks also to PJ North, all of the fun drops and audio that you heard throughout the show. Those are the work of PJ. He is amazing. If you're not familiar with his music, check him out anywhere on social media and uh, on his website. I believe it's pjnorth.com. 
gmail.com. Thanks also to producer Mark for doing all the work behind the scenes to make this happen. As I mentioned in the open, guys and gals, uh, two shows this week, right? You're welcome. Um, so be sure to listen in to episode 217. That was the, the recap of all the big dollar bracket events and the couple of NHRA Lucas Oil Series events that have happened already with a little bit of a look forward to an action-packed month to come. As I also mentioned, today's episode that you just listened to is part one of our two-part NHRA season preview. Jed and I will be back next week with part two, where we will focus on the superclasses, supercomp. Supergas, Super Street, as well as the Summit ET series. We will see you then. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th. <laughs>